What up, baby? It's the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. On today's episode, I have professional podcaster and author Knox McCoy stopping by. He's written a book in the past called The Wondering Years, and he's got a new book out called All Things Reconsidered. Not only that, he's a hilarious dude. He's got two extremely popular podcasts called The Popcast with Knox and Jamie, as well as The Bible Binge. The dude does it all. And he was kind enough to spend an hour with me to talk all things writing, pop culture, preachers and sneakers, and a whole host of other things. Check it out if you dare. I know you're not doing anything, assuming that the country isn't open back up by the time you're listening to this. So if you got an hour, would love it if you spent it with me. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the Preachers and Seekers podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating, leave a review, and share it with your friends, your enemies, your frenemies, your exes, everybody. Big shout out to my homie SJ for providing the intro and ad music. It's from his new EP called In the Light. Follow him on Instagram at here is SJ, as well as on Spotify. If you just type in the letters S and J, he'll be the first one that pops up. Okay, enough chit chat. Let's get to my conversation with Knox McCoy. Tell me about uh, you, your entrance to podcasting, and then your entrance into authoring, and then we can go from there. Writing, yeah, yeah, for sure. Authoring, maybe that's not a verb. Writing. No, see, I th- actually, I think when you say authoring, you're like so high on your own supply of writing that people are like, whoa, this guy authoring. is clearly a writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Noveling, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I... Um, Let's see. I was the cliche um, want to write person, you know, in uh, like growing up, like I would uh, as an eight year old, um, I would write, you know, books and draw the pictures and staple them together and give them to neighbors. And my neighbors would be like, I didn't ask for this. Please. (laughs) Yeah. Please leave me alone, child. You know, so but I always wanted to write back when you're selling Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) Yeah. Something that is actually a value, except this terrible (laughs) prose and these terrible graphics. But, you know, in high school, middle school, I would do, uh, uh, you know, the literary magazines or whatever and, and write terrible pro- poetry and awful short stories and stuff like that. Um, I was an English major in college. Um, but my dream was always, you know, to write a book. And uh, I, kind of, I put that on hold after college, opened a sporting goods store with my dad. And we ran that um, right into okay. the 2008 financial collapse. So oh, I don't know if you know this. Yeah, like the th- and retail specifically, uh, you people don't want to buy like a two hundred fifty dollars baseball glove, uh, when like their four hundred one k just di- like dissolved, you know, in thin hair. So that didn't go great. I, I turned that um, into uh, we had a, a screen printing company uh, alongside that, so I went to that and kind of ran that for a few years. And um, I'm I was just not I'm not, not like an entrepreneur. I'm not well. I'm not a uh, a retail entrepreneur, right? So on the side, I had this bug to keep writing, and I would I started writing. Um, these really obnoxiously long bachelor and bachelorette recap uh, of, of the show because my wife would make watch it. So I was like, if I'm going to yeah. watch it, I'll, I'll do 5,000 words on what happened here. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I started writing online. And then from there, um, what year was that? This was uh, 2008, 2009. And we had just had um, our first uh, uh, ch- a kid, uh, my son. And I was writing, I was like, I'll write about being a dad. Cause that's super interesting. 
So, <laughs> you know, so I'm doing that. And then uh, I do that for a few years. And, you know, it's like I've got a little bit of people who read, but I, I can't do anything with it. I can't get a book deal or anything. So uh, I guess in 2011, I think I go to a blog conference, meet some people. And it was there that someone pitched me on like, hey, we should do a podcast. And I was like, that's stupid. Podcasts are dumb. They're not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then I, I do that. And I run through a couple different iterations of the podcast all thinking I'm going to turn this into a book deal, right? And all the you know the iterations fail, and eventually I meet uh, eventually I meet my partner that I work with now, Jamie Golden, who um, we start a pop culture podcast called The Popcast uh, with Knox and Jamie. We started that in 2013, um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to celebrate six uh, years of the podcast here. Uh, I think this September. So wow, she's hilarious. She is. By the way, she is. I feel like her and I would. Uh, be lifelong homies as you and I oh, yeah. inevitably but she has got <laughs> I love her I love both of y'all's sense of humor and she it sounds like she could just go for hours and hours just riffing well, do you stuff. uh do you speak the language of the Enneagram? I do, yes. Okay, what are you? I'm a three wing two. Okay, you're okay, so she's a seven obviously and sevens are just like you just turn them on and they go for hours and they're just super extrovert. <laughs> I'm see I'm the five so I'm like I'm I'm here, but as soon as I'm out, I go in the coffin, and I like I'm not I'm not gonna talk to anybody for a little bit, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, though, and and we work with our our COO here who works with us, Aaron uh, Moon. She's a three as well. So uh, there's an interesting uh, extroversion introversion dynamic uh, at play here for High sure. High achievement. That's good to have in a COO, I think. Right. So she's pushing to strategically. We were like, I guess we want the person who's gonna work themselves to death. That's a good thing in a company, I guess, <laughs> and not sue us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, so the podcast, you're talking about kind of surface level pop culture type things. That's right. And you've been doing that since 2013-ish. Right. And then where does the Bible binge fit into that? So I think it was, because uh, it was right before the release of my first book, The Wondering Years, where we started doing, we had done an episode on a podcast where we talked about siblings in pop culture. And uh, one of the examples we used was Jacob and Esau. And, you know, we kind of had fun with the blah, blah, blah. And someone said, hey, you should do a uh, uh, podcast about the Bible. And we were like, should we do a podcast about the Bible? <laughs> and, and we consulted all of our friends and, you know, pastors and everything. And everyone was like, don't do that. <laughs> Specifically you guys. Don't do that. Listen to you me. You have a lot of giftings. <laughs> it was like, you know, like, I'm going to hold your face and look deep into your eyes. Do not do this. But we did it anyway, you know. And um, so we, we do but it. the content. Yeah, it was like, but the content's so rich and there's a market out there. But so, but the thing was, we were like, we, uh, the hesitance was we're not, uh, we haven't gone to seminary, right? Like I went to a Church of God uh, school. I graduated from Church of God school, but like graduated at as much arm's length as I could from that school. And Jamie right. went to Emory, so it wasn't like a Christian-based school. Um, but, you know, we're practicing Christians. We've been to church our, our whole lives. Jamie's been in ministry, stuff like that. I've, I wrote for an uh, online Christian movie company, right? So we're, we're all around the periphery. But um, we were like, we want to talk about the Bible, but, like, what if stupid people could talk about the Bible? Is that okay? You know, because there are a lot of people I think who are intimidated to talk about the Bible because they don't have the the knowledge or they're not a pastor or whatever. So uh, we recap yeah. it like it's a like it's a movie, like a book or TV show. And the thing we do that I think gives us uh, safety and comfort is uh, Aaron, our COO, she also is like a Bible scholar. So 
we do the whole episode and then she listens to it. And at the end she says, okay, this was wrong. You're dumb. That's not even true. This is heresy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we're like, okay, thank you. So it makes us feel safe. So we're like, the heart is good. The, the mind and the, the tongue is not always perfect in the execution of what we're trying to do. That's awesome. My, uh, the only reason I knew about it is because my wife listened to it pretty consistently. She works at a church and she was like, gosh, people are asking me about all these abstract Bible stories I have no idea what they're talking about. Like she, she works at a very like high achievement mega church here okay. in Dallas, and they're always they're like they'll literally ask things like, "Who's your favorite abstract character in the Bible?" And she's like, "What? Look, who who Luke? asks questions like that? That's crazy! <laughs> Come on, churches that really yeah uh, <laughs> that love intentional questions." So she started listening to your podcast and uh, connected with it because it was such a relatable, easy to understand set of stories for people that uh, were so important to the faith, but also so easy to like skim over Yeah, when you're like, so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so. And um, like you, and you, but y'all have the ability to make it into, uh, in the, in the Marines, we called it Barney style. Okay. But basically like very easy to understand terms. Yeah. You know, and I think that, What we say is like we want to better understand the story, right? And I think there are, from my perspective, I grew up in the church, and I would like I knew these stories, like the the broad strokes of it. But then we would look at it, and I'd be like, man, I never really picked that up. I didn't understand how much circumcision was like a big deal in the Old Testament. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, I guess I need to understand that. That word did just kind of get glazed (laughs) over growing up. Yeah, because like I grew I grew up in the South too, and they'd be like, yeah, talking about you know circumcised and uncircumcised. And you're right, like. Until you you're talking about cutting off, we we talking about pee pee cutting, <laughs> and like that's good, and like like people are honoring each other with like a, doing it. I don't know. I just want to understand what's going on here because this is obviously important. So <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. So you did uh, so through I guess before the Bible binge, but during the podcast, you wrote the Wondering Years, mm-hmm. which which I've read. Oh, awesome! Thank you. And um, I love your writing style. It's uh, and I think you and I probably had very similar upbringings in the way we kind of viewed some things. Do you mind real quickly talking about that book and what your goal with it was, and then maybe um, what I guess what you hoped people to get out of it, but also you know what you drew from in writing this whole thing. Sure, because this is your first book. Yeah, that's correct, and that's the book that you know back in. Back before we even had kids, like I was like, I want to write this book. And the, the working title was always like, Pop Culture is My Sunday School Teacher. Because at the heart of it, there was always, I grew up as a kid who I went to church and um, experienced church and I rededicated my life and I did all the, you know, the cliche Christian, Southern, like Bible Belt, evangelical Christian things of the 80s and the 90s. Um, yeah. But like I crushed your Creed CDs or crushed your. Dr. Dre CDs, yeah, all that. See, here's the thing. I just, I, I guess the Enneagram fiveness was like, yeah, yeah, I'll totally do that. I'm not doing that, you know. <laughs> like, I pay good money for this. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I, I like thousand foot crutch and everything, but like, I'm not. <laughs> I like Scott Stapp better. I guess I don't know. Bad judgment, you know. <laughs> but like, but I, so I did. I hit all those benchmarks and I had the, all those experiences, but. I would see people who felt like were experiencing and resonating and feeling God. And I was like, I'm just not, and I'm not, I can't sit through the service and hear the same thing you're hearing, I guess. So part of it was out of frustration, but part of it also was, 
I think I just um, inherently resonated more with movies, books, TV, stuff like that. So The Wonder Years mm-hmm. is about kind of a childhood and a adolescence and a post-adolescence built around me kind of, I don't know, on the fly refashioning my ability to access God. So I would, um, so it talks about, you know, using the Godfather or talking about Full House or finding God in these other places because I think I grew up with the mindset of if you're not finding God on Wednesday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday nights, God's not available to you. But, you know, in my experience, it was like, actually, I'm finding God in these other places and that's okay. So a lot of it is reconciling my affinity for pop culture and my, uh, the experiences I've had where I felt God more deeply within elements of pop culture. Hmm. Did you grow up sheltered at all? Like in the South during the same time, we're probably close to the same age. There was a big focus, kind of like crushing the CDs, like on sheltering our Christian kids from pop culture itself. Did you grow up in that or did you have full exposure? Yeah. So your question is like, okay, great. I was going to ask, like, were you allowed to ask this? I I feel like the Simpsons is a line of demarcation of like, what kind of Christian you were, you know? Like, is yes. this like an on-the-ground Christian or is this like a theoretical Christian? So I was <laughs> not allowed Christian. to watch uh, The Simpsons, but I think... Nor was I. Okay, okay. So I I think I, that was like a baseline obvious thing for my parents, but I, my parents were very cool in that they were also, you know, they were invested in the church, but it was like not to hyperbolic, uh, not to hysterical senses, you know? So I would still watch, like, Mad About You or Designing Women with my mom, and it was like, it wasn't a big deal. And for us, I think the biggest thing was I grew up with a lot of friends. My wife, actually, like, she um, grew up, and it was like, every time the church is open, you have to be there. Uh, My parents were more like, hey, Sunday nights, um, that's our time. And I know church is going, but we're going to spend time together. So I, I think early on there was this template of, love God, you know, be faithful, um, be intentional, but also be balanced, have some, have some perspective. Yeah. Be, be realistic. Interesting. That's a, I think that's at the time that was probably a hard balance to strike. Like there wasn't, there weren't a lot of other families doing that. Right. Yeah. Like most were either didn't go to church at all or were freaking every other day. Yeah. Very militant. Yeah. So, um, so what was your experience like kind of shopping that proposal around? I mean, I'm going through this right now or have just gone through this, like shopping your first proposal, you know, trying to pitch this idea with publishers. What was that experience for you? You know, I think. Or what was that experience like for you? It, it, it was <clears throat> it was a uh, I don't know. It was a it was fun because it was like, the it, well, let me go back because I I had a hard time getting an agent because I I think. At some point, I allowed the idea to be able to write. I don't know. I think the idea of writing about faith was always very intimidating to me, and it was kind of it was the same thing about before doing the Bible binge. It was like, who am I? What do I have to say? I I've, yeah. I have no qualifications for talking. And I remember talking to a friend and being like, I just I'm gonna let that ship sail because I'm not the guy. So I started writing like really really bad fiction, and I got to meet with an agent and I gave it to her, and she was like what is this? What have you done here? <laughs> you, you have cursed fiction forever. This like never disgrace. contact me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, you know, luckily because of the podcast and the podcast really did accomplish the um, uh, thing of giving me a platform to where, uh, unfortunately, I, uh, people may or may not know this. A lot of times writers don't get 
deals based on the merits of their uh, writing. A lot of it is who will listen to what they are saying. You know what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that we, we grew to a point where that agent came back and she was like, let's do not the other thing, but anything else. Do you have anything else? And that's where I gave her uh, the warning years. But shopping it around, I found editors really receptive to the idea of a not traditional, um, here's like the fruits of the spirit, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's go in a different direction. And that's why I, I'm really interested in your process as well. And I think, you know, I don't know, do you know, we're, we're publisher uh, siblings, because I'm with W we as are. well. Yeah. Yes. And I think yeah, you're yeah. in really great hands, because that's the, there's some good people there. Um, b- yeah. But did you have the same kind of experience of like, people being like, I'm really interested in this? Or were people like, what have you done? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I can totally attest to what you said, as far as people get book deals based on who will listen because I am so unqualified <laughs> to write. I'm like, maybe like I'm pretty on the same par as like Snooki writing. A book, <laughs> like she got a book deal, but hey, I, I am. Snooki equally... has some good hooks and prose, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you, you've clearly not read her book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, modern day Socrates. Uh, she and I, yeah. I mean, we have both have, she's got a much bigger platform than I, but I, I didn't think it was, there was a book here because I just, the whole thing was ridiculous. Like this is an Instagram account mm-hmm. and I fell into this and this blew up by no real, like I'm not a writer. I, I I've never written more than three sentences together. <laughs> um, and so going through the process, thankfully I had a, I interviewed uh, a guy, Jonathan Merritt, mm-hmm. who's now my agent. And he basically said, look, I think there's a book here and I can help you build the proposal without him doing that. That there wouldn't be a book like that because there's so much industry related stuff that goes into the proposal that I just had zero clue sure. about. Like I had talked with one guy this summer and it's like, yeah, if you can put a book proposal together, I can see if there's a book here or not. But I was like, I don't, I don't freaking know what that is. Yeah. And I don't have the bandwidth to just build that in hopes that someone may uh, bite into it. So I had a lot of help and I like, I, this, a lot of this is, has fallen in my lap. So I know a lot of, actual authors are kind of rolling their eyes like god i've been working for this for years and years you know what though um, let me let me stop you there because i think that um yeah some people might be rolling their eyes like me in 2010 writing bad bachelor recaps and writing about being a dad you know i would have been like that sucks it's not fair but it's like have have you <laughs> like have you gotten have you turned the corner because I, you know, obviously I listened to the show and I listened specifically to the Tyler Huckabee interview, which I love Tyler. Yeah. And I thought this is going to be great. The best. He's just the best. And it was a really great show. Um, He's really freaking smart. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. But like you, you guys talking about it, I, I got the sense that have you turned the corner on I haven't won the lottery? I actually have brought something to light and I have a point of view. And this is like, I've earned this opportunity. So I get to talk now. Have you, have you made that turn? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, um, the validation came, I mean, getting the book was some validation, sure. like building the proposal helped me co- to kind of outline what my actual thoughts are on the subject and the deeper issues, um, around like consumerism and capitalism and celebrity yeah. culture in the church. Um, and so that's been a relatively new thing for like, cause for like the first, I mean, we're at a little bit over a year of this account existing, for a long time, I was like, I don't, th- I don't know what this is. I don't know why people are freaking out. Like, I like the attention. I like, you know, talking to celebrities. I like, you know, having cool merch. And, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, selling hoodies and stuff. But now I firmly believe that it's something worth wrestling with. The whole idea of, of uh, should we care? 
if faith leaders are profiting, mm-hmm. not li- making a living wage, but like profiting and creating massive wealth off of purely being a preacher or a pastor. Yeah. Is it appropriate for there to be celebrities that are, like Christians that are turned into celebrities while also elevating the God that they became celebrities for being so good at performing or preaching about? Yeah. Um, or like smaller, like surface level things like church merch. Like, is that, is, is that just cool yeah. branding that's, that's in alignment with pop culture or is it more like a golden calf where we're worshiping <laughs> the brand of this church yeah. and not. So like all those things I didn't care about a year ago and didn't realize that there was a market for trying to wrestle through those things. But now it's pretty evident that people don't know what to do with all these different things. Um, with a, like an asterisk that yes, the coronavirus is going on. Sure. Like that is a much more glaring topic. Like I recognize some of these are more secondary issues, but um, it's still worth grappling with because I, I hope that it's at a certain point we're all going to start gathering together again. Yeah, and um, we're going to have to wrestle. Like the whole idea was social media. Like for Christians, are you causing people to envy by posting certain things on social media? Like should you? should we care or think through the things that we post about? Yeah. Like there's the, the easy targets of like, should I post this scantily clad picture of myself? Yeah, right. Me freaking doing a keg stand. But the th- th- things more like, Oh, I'm on this dope vacation. Everyone look how awesome my life is. Yeah. Things like that yeah. are I think worth wrestling through. And so, yeah, I feel more validated and more like encouraged to write about those things. And that's what I'm, I'm writing about. But yeah, for the longest time I felt like a fraud. Just oh, that sure. I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm this average idiot dude that never wanted to be an activist for anything <laughs> i just liked sneakers and liked yeah. making people laugh and now i'm you know you and i are talking together um it's a very interesting look where you are now talking to me right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's like good or like, really really bad but no one of our yeah maybe both of our careers will concurrently skyrocket <laughs> there's some daily comforts to just make you grateful and feel more grounded in life petting your pups, smashing the snooze button, and of course, that first cup of joe in the morning. These are things that you count on every day to help you get where you want to go. Things like the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day, through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. Enjoy a free 30-day trial of their email or app service by visiting upperroom.org slash welcome. That's upperroom.org slash welcome to get your first 30 days free. Now back to my conversation with Knox McCoy. I have had some, a lot of like the people at W were like, dude, this is an amazing conversation. This is, this is a huge book, like, I mean, probably stroking me a little bit, but on the opposite end, other publishers are like, dude, we don't want to touch this. Really? We're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to upset our other authors. We're going to upset the bait, like the people that are making millions off of Christian self-help books. Sure. Yeah. We're representing the people uh, you're, you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I get it. I understand it, but that only fuels me more to say, okay, clearly this is indicative of something that's going on in people's hearts where the publishers are literally afraid. Like some, when I signed with W, some of the other authors had their agents like 
contact the publisher and say, why are you giving this guy a platform? Why are you oh, man. like elevating See, this guy's message? And so I'm like, all right. It, it, I guess that, I'm still touching me, a nerve. Oh, you, you 100% are. And it made me so happy because uh, the second I, I guess I saw your Instagram post when you announced it and I emailed Damon at W uh, and I was like, is this like, is this you? Like who's, what, what's happened here? And he was like, yeah, yeah, this is me. And I was like, thank you. This is so great. I'm so encouraged by this because not that it's like the punk rock rockification of, you know, Christian literature, but I think there is a, um, absence of nuanced Christian conversation. It is just very like, we have to play the hits, and, and and the hits are great because they're the Bible and Jesus, and I love those things, you know, like blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But I think there is a generation of people and uh, a silent majority of people who are like, yeah, but like there are some complicated things that no one's talking about, and I feel weird, and I yeah. think that's what your account really hit on is this thing that was like subconsciously lurking for everyone and then you applied a pressure valve release, and everyone's like, "Thank you. That's that's it. I don't know. I don't. That was making me uncomfortable." And finally, I have a cool Instagram account to like to really um, have catharsis with this idea. So I think there's such a lack of people willing to have because what like what you're talking about, uh, consumerism, brands, monetization, like those are so nuanced. And I I don't think yeah. you've ever pretended to be like, no, it's actually really easy. It's really difficult. And that's okay. It's great to be really difficult. Because I think in the pursuit of understanding those difficult conversations, we will arrive at some really interesting, compelling, heartful truths that help us understand. But I think, to me, you didn't ask my opinion, but I think the biggest thing you've revealed here is the fragility of the like uh, evangelical Christian hierarchy of people yes. just not used to being to being checked, you know? Yeah. And I, and that was I think the, that's fascinating. the tough part for, for a long time. Like I wanted everybody to be happy. I mean, I still want everybody to be happy and like be happy with me. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't love upsetting people. I mean, and a lot of this, you know, kind of like you said, this cool Instagram account that was so cathartic for a lot of people that was born out of pure ignorance. Like yeah. I had, it was just me being kind of irritated and also like trying to make people laugh. And then it kind of opened those floodgates for pe people's opinions about these things. And so it, it started out of pure ignorance, but um, the uh, – I lost my train of thought. What were you just saying? I had a point to what you the just said. The fragility of, uh, of uh, evangelical Christian dudes. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I – sorry. Um, I've only had four coffees today. The, <laughs> the thing for me was, like, I was so unsure for a long time about whether or not it was good – or not what I was doing. Like it felt partially like, Oh, I'm causing division. I'm being mm. like nitpicky. I'm, you know, stirring the pot. But I think a lot of people's negative response to it was that you're right. They, these things hadn't been questioned before and I mm -hmm. wasn't doing it in a perfect way, but I was causing people to choose a side on what they believed about some of these things that before they just thought existed. Mm -hmm. And when I was like, is this appropriate? Or like, is this, how Christians, Christian leaders are to be living. I'm not saying I have the answers. I'm yeah. just saying this is the question that I have. Um, and I, I've, I've still tried to live in that tension of like, can I ask the question without having an answer? And apparently you can, but for a long yeah. time, I didn't know that could exist. Like, and yeah. it's a lot, I mean, it's kind of a segue, but your whole next book is about that, right? Like well, reconsidering it, things that are so cemented. Yes. And, and when, when you were talking about that, I thought like, uh, I, I remember being so thankful for your account because it put, you know, I was already writing and, and thinking about this high, uh, whole thing because 
the end of the Wandering Years made me want to write a book about just like because you know the the last chapter in the Wandering Years is about my dad's cancer diagnosis and it's not this cliche like why God you know kind of thing it's just more like oh so now I'm like really gonna think about mortality and like do good people deserve things and all that stuff and what I believe blah 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 so I wanted the second yeah. book to really examine that so you're I was really thankful for your account because it it kind of helped buoy that motivation and momentum because it's it was this thing of like I'm not telling you how to think I'm just like hey there's there's this thing happening and I don't know what to feel about that and I don't have the answer and I think that's another part of it is people feel like you present an idea, you have the answer, you move on, and you don't question that. And I think a lot of times, no, actually, I think uh, the, the the more realistic thing is you present an idea, you don't really know, and you don't really land on anything definitive. But as um, a, gener- a generation of Christianity has told us, no, you land on a thing, you move on, you never reconsider it, and that's just that's it for freaking ever. And that's just not yeah. super realistic, you know? Yeah, and I, I've, I've been going through that the past few years of my life, too, like, Growing up deep south, mm-hmm. became a Christian at eight. This was the answer. I had a good grasp on the gospel and the Bible and where everybody was going and what I needed to do as a Christian. But the past few years, it's like there's so much nuance in life that <laughs> I wasn't ever charged with grappling with until the past few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm still a Christian, still very much believe in the gospel but i just i sit in a few more gray areas now yeah that i just and i think maybe our generation more so than our parents generation are okay with being like i don't know man <laughs> and like you kind of look like a jackass if you say no this is the answer yeah i have the answer like those people get raked over the coals on twitter when they're like no this is <laughs> and when and i'm sitting here in the middle like i don't i mean i empathize with a lot of these different sides is that okay or am i being a pushover, mm-hmm. um, but so rarely is it is it received well to be like this is the truth. This is the answer. There is no other answer to this topic. Now, granted, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. I'm not talking about that. Sure. I'm talking more about like secondary type issues um, that I've had to grapple with. Like, wh- what about you? Like, uh, reading through, I got access to your book early. I don't know if they told you that, but um, <laughs> I want to talk about some of the the funny parts, but the uh, the premise is basically reconsidering kind of three different categories right. of life. Yes. Could you talk about that and maybe talk about, because this is something that I'm going through too. It's like, yeah, is yeah. it okay to reconsider some of these things that have been gospel, quote unquote, throughout your entire life? Yeah, no, so for sure. Like, um, uh, so the sections, it's like reconsider yourself, reconsider your life, reconsider your faith. And, you know, I didn't really want to write about faith stuff because, at the end of the Wonder Years, I, I think writing the Wonder Years, I was very close to the vest about things I believe because I just was an insecure writer. You know, like I, I was like, I don't, I don't like really. You wanted to sell a bunch of books. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I just, I don't have the confidence to, uh, you know, and a lot of it I will give credit to the Bible binge where, because when you do a show where you talk about the Bible, um, yes, we have a Bible scholar who comes in and cleans up our mess, but at the same time, you don't do that without uh, putting yourself to the test and like, knowing, hey, I'm going to go on the record, X amount of thousands of people are going to listen, and I got to know what I'm talking I, I at least have to know why I think what I'm thinking here, you know? So that process yeah. was really helpful. So when I started to write the the All Things Reconsidered, um, I thought, you know, the, the people tell you, write the book you want to read. And I thought, I just wish I could read a Christian author who 
or just an author who was like, I'm just going to try to figure out stuff. And I don't really know what I think. I know what I started with. I'm, it, and it, it is a book about deconstruction, you know, especially the last section. But a lot of it is just like, this isn't my 10 steps to be a better Christian. Because I don't know that. That's not yeah. me. I'm not that guy. Yeah, yeah. But but I am just going to let you watch me as I work through some stuff. I'm going to work through uh, like what it means to be home, um, what it means to have a terrible birthday in December, um, what it means to be suspicious of Uncle Joey from Full House or Big Bird, you know, from Sesame Street. <laughs> it's, it, but also, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch let you watch me work through what I think about hell. And if I land on something definitive or some I don't know, that's okay because this is my journey and whatever you got to do with yours you got to do with yours. And I, I, I'm glad you said, you know, I think our, you know, millennials or, or whatever, we get a reputation of just everything is nothing, you know, like it's just whatever, yeah. whatever. And I, I think there's, that's a good aspect, but it has to be tethered to some dogmatic. I do actually believe this and I'm not going to, yeah. this can't be shaken, you know? So I, and I think, and I, and I try to talk about in the book, the thing that keeps me in Christianity. And I think we have to identify the things that we are tethered to. And that it's like the, uh, whatever, in the Odyssey, when uh, Odysseus is like, he's hearing the sirens and he wants to go with them, but he ties himself to the mast, so he doesn't. Total babes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? I, there's some things we got to tie ourselves to the mast to because those masts are, are the foundation, but I think we also have to consider and hear some things to know what we actually do believe because when we live in that shell and that shroud of just, I learned this when I was eight, so I guess it's perfect forever, that's, that's a failure too. That's not a good... <clears throat> Uh, foundation to stand on because mm-hmm. if the that's why so many people I think in college just lose their faith because they that's what their faith was based on yeah like my well I grew up with this and then some smart person's like well what about this and they're like oh I guess I don't believe any of this yeah yeah so you're you're so right like having to absolutely believe in things but also know why you believe those things like yeah. do a little bit of give a little bit of effort in why you believe things like maybe the things you grew up with are the truth. But it's up to you as a grown ass person <laughs> to wrestle through why you believe those. Yeah, things. and you know, I think uh, um, a lot of us—not everyone, obviously—but a lot of us, we just inherited these. We inherited a location, we inherited a routine, and we inherited beliefs. So this isn't about um, uh, tearing those apart. It's just when you're given something versus when you have to pay for it or you earn it. It's different, and like this process of deconstruction, I think for a lot of people they think that's a bad word, but I think. Actually, it's the process of earning what you actually believe versus just um, giving the rhetoric you've been given and, and reciting it like you've always recited for your whole life. What kind of uh, pushback have you gotten from that? I mean, got it. The book's not out until mm-hmm. June 2nd. Is that when it comes out? Right. Correct. Um, surely you've, you have followers that are like, dude, what are you doing? Or, dude, you sound like Rob Bell. Like, <laughs> Have you, I have wish. You dealt with- I wish I wrote like Rob Bell. <laughs> that would be an upgrade. What are you talking about? No, um, your bank account. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we have been for the podcast, and you know everything we do as a company. The podcast well, with Nice Jamie, the Bible binge, even all things recapped, our recap show. We have, I think we have all unintentionally, we started this as like we're talking about pop culture. Also, whisper, by the way, we're Christians. Not a big deal. This is what's up, you know? (laughs) It's not a weapon. We're not threatening you. We're just, we happen to be Christians. We also like Game of Thrones. But we're cool. We drink wine. (laughs) That's right. No big deal. Let's not be weird about this. So it was always like inside out. So it was always, I think we were really attractive to other Christians who were like, I also do like to watch uh, Game of Thrones or Sopranos. Not a big deal. Let's just all be cool here. Um, So I think we, that has, 
given us an audience of people, not by our own doing, that have been like uh, eager to go along this journey of, yeah, like I, I also contain multitudes and I, I watch secular things, but I believe in the sacred. So there have been a lot of people mm. who um, have not been mean. Uh, they've just been like, hey, like you said this on the Bible binge. I don't believe that. I just want to understand how you arrived at that because I thought that was really cool. And we might not agree, but like, I just want to know where you got that. And I've mentioned some things, you know, to, to people, to readers and listeners on my newsletter um, of what I'm talking about. And people are interested not in a, I cannot believe you, but in a, wow, that's really interesting. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with you, but let's talk about that. And so it's given me a lot of encouragement, not of, and again, it's not a thing of like, you have to read this and agree with me, but more, there are a lot of people open and willing to reconsidering things and wanting to hear that conversation more than there are people, uh, to me at least, more than there are people who are like, no, I want to read a book that reinforces exactly what I believe. I, I think we've gotten tired yeah. of that. I think those books are um, a little over the hill now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they, they somehow still sell a ton of those books, though, because they keep they do. making them. They do. Ten Steps to Live Your Best Life Now in 2020. Uh, that's interesting. So, like, on the majority, you've gotten positive feedback. Like yeah. You well, don't it, deal with I, many people that are. Yeah, the book's not out F yet. you, dude, this is heresy. So, I'm sure that right, will happen, right, you know. Right. And I just. But in the, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I don't read reviews, so uh, I don't know what's going to happen on Amazon. But, you know, I, I hopefully, and I go to great lengths in the book to say, this is not a guide. I'm not an expert. I'm kind of dumb. Whatever. You know, like, uh, honor what I'm trying to do rather than where I arrive uh, more more than anything. I think that's pretty, pretty wise to not read reviews, right? Like, that only could just either overinflate your ego or destroy your self-worth. Yeah. Right? And I, is that why you don't do it? I think for most people, I don't know if people are like me, but I could get 100 good reviews but the one bad one, I'll be like, well, I guess I do suck. I am the worst. They're right. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I imagine people with platforms talk about that all the time. But, like, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like, I can have one freaking snarky, misinformed comment ruin my entire day. I'm like, I'm going to murder this person. Well, yours verbally. is interesting because I think you will have people, obviously, who are like, you're the devil. And you're like, you just got to laugh that off, which I've never been called the devil. Yeah. That's probably tough. But you also have people who are like, yes, I agree with you. These people should go to hell. And you have to also yes. be like, wait, not what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like that's the thing with social media. It's like you just give everyone has the same opportunity to come in, <laughs> drop their piece, and then bounce. And that's I'm right. Like, Whoa, guys, guys, like, yes, I, it's, it is a worthy question, but also let's be civil here. Let's be like, chill. We were hurt by the church. <laughs> I wasn't hurt by the church. Like, let's all be chill. That's right. So, um, but on on this next book, like I've read through half of it, uh, in your style of writing, I had some audible lulls. Which, oh, good. Uh, okay, is very rare for me, <laughs> um, which I think is a testament to your ability to maybe relate to the common man because that's who I am. Thank you. That's high praise. Um, and but but and because I think we're probably a lot alike. Like you talk about taking pictures after your live events, yes. and trying to get your neck right. That is just so like I highlighted it because like this. Is what I think. Like, why take a picture now when we could take a picture in a year when yeah. I've lost twenty pounds and developed a jawline? <laughs> I'll lose the weight. We'll do it later. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I like. Where did that come from? Like, could you talk to that experience? Maybe I know people. I mean, we want people to read the book, but um, I mean, I want I want to ask about that and then about uh, two other things. Sure. Like, yeah. Where did that whole thought process come from about your neck and jawline? Because as you can see. <laughs> 
So like I, I don't have the the well the chapter is uh, it's called Boy Change Your Face and it's a uh, riff off of a popular <laughs> girl wipe your face. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> wash not. Wash your face. Who wash knows? your face. <laughs> Who knows? See, we call it girl We're not wash your butt. Infringing on anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know just the the language of of humanity is rich and maybe there's overlap. Who knows? But like it's a it's a riff off the self helpness of like uh, I don't know. I feel crap. Like I'm not trying to be crappy, but I feel like there's a commoditization of like people telling you things you already know, and like, oh yeah, I guess I should wash my face, or I I, I should love myself, or whatever. But um, the chapter is really talking about, you know, we started doing live shows for the podcast, which are amazing and great. And later this year, we're gonna do a tour with Compassion, uh, where we're nice. We're going to like I think 13 cities. We're gonna get some kids sponsored. It's really great. We're really excited. The thing, I love the live shows. Uh, and we get to meet people. That's my favorite part is meeting listeners because you're doing a podcast. You're screaming into the void. You don't know if people are listening. But when you actually right. get to meet and talk to people, it's incredible. But the the tough part for me is like I'm just not a picture taker. I don't know if you are. Like I don't know if you grew up like no. let's take a shot here. You know, <laughs> it's just not my <laughs> life. So, so right. like th- there's the uh, assembly line of like, hey, great to meet you. Talk, talk. Let's take a picture. And I am reminded of how not good at taking pictures I am. So like it, it's a chapter about just the different you start you got to work angles and you dip your neck or you and you're all in pursuit of trying to look as skinny as you possibly can, right? Or like as good in yep. the picture as you possibly can. So yeah. and there's obviously a metaphor and a deeper point there, but I think it's it's a weird reality of the world of um I'm having this authentic moment with you and we're connecting and now we have to take something for social media which I want to look as good as I can. I don't know why I'm not going to look at these because I'm so scared of what I'm going to look at, but there's just that weird layer now to interactions and relationships that uh, it's kind of unprecedented, you know? Yeah, that is interesting. It's like a, just a brief moment of uncontrolled vanity. It's yeah. like, I, I want people to think that I look good, even though this is how I actually look. Yeah. And I should be okay with how I look right now, but I'm going to contort myself to try to look like I'm not yeah, or look like I'm something I'm not. And it's, it's such like a picture into our maybe insecurities or our hearts behind things. I do the same thing. Like try to jut your head out and freaking, I think you called it looking like a turtle popping out of its shell. (laughs) That's right. Doing the same thing, trying to get like a Hollywood jawline when in fact it's just like, dude, is what it is in the cards for me. (laughs) 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 That's so funny. I just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't laugh out loud at many books, but I read that. I was like, this dude gets it. And and I just laughed. And so like, I'm so appreciative of that. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. A lot of people uh, don't like reading and to have an entertaining style of writing is hard to come by. So that's awesome, man. Thank you. And then, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, then you have a chapter about sex scenes, which mm-hmm. I also uh, so related to. Uh, could you talk about that? Just, I guess, in brief. I don't want to give away the whole book. But sure, sure. In no. brief, could you talk about that chapter? Yeah. So, like, obviously, like, I write about, you know, like, um, really heartful things and really heavy things. But when I set out to write the book, I wanted to write, like, not micro chapters, but I also wanted to include, like, almost interludes of this isn't a super long chapter. This is just a weird thing I want to reconsider. And one of those was (laughs) sex scenes because I think I'd watched something with my wife and it was a movie. And, you know, most time we don't watch stuff during the day. We just kind of wait till the night because you don't know what's going to come on. But this was one of those like long weekends where uh, all three or one of our kids was in the background. And it was a thing I thought was pretty safe. And then like cut to just like body smacking 
And I, so we're scrambling for the remote, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I started thinking, like, wait, like, why, why do we still have the, the sex scene? Because it feels like a relic of a different time where – and to me it was like, look, if, you, if that's your thing, that's what you want to, like, want to go for, there's a place for that. That's not yeah. this movie or TV show, right. you know? So it was like this weird consideration of this holdover where you might get, like, a stray breast or something – or a storyline. And I just, I kind of want a world. It's not about me being puritanical or like uh, a, a reformed Southern Baptist. It's just like, I don't know. I just don't understand why we still got bodies here. You know, like why we got, why we got new parts here. <laughs> Someone explain like, I, it to I'd me. Love to, I'd love to see the science or the data on that because I had never considered that until you wrote about it. It's like, this is a pretty antiquated tactic yeah. for, to get eyeballs. Yeah. Like we all know what you're doing. Right. And it rarely adds much to the storyline, and it hasn't changed since the seventies. And there's the no 80s, like mechanism really. to critique it. There's no one online being like that sex scene was actually really well done, and here's why. You know, like nobody's just- winning an Oscar <laughs> for theirs. It, actually, I would. I think I would respect the idea if there was a category for like best sex scene, because then <laughs> you know it would like institutionalize it. And in that respect, it's almost like with Game of Thrones, I respected what they were trying because it's like, hey, uh, medieval stuff, dragons, sex scene, and like that was their formula. So it's like I, you know, whatever mileage may vary on if you like that, but at least they yeah. own it. You know, at least they're like leaning into it. I guess. <coughs> Like it's, uh, I haven't watched uh, many episodes of that, but it's, you can tell they're purposely like oversaturating on all those things. Oh, yeah. To make it be the most like attractive slash edgy type show out there. Oh, it's yeah. Like, look, when you come here, you're going to get all of this. Here's what we're time. about, you know? <laughs> it's like the shark from Jaws, but if the shark had boobs and, uh, and you're going to see its yes. butt and you liked it or whatever. I don't know. Oh, so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's true. And uh, so do you do you still write movie reviews? You said you worked for did you work for like plugged in or something? Who no, I for? wish it was like that. It was um I, I did some podcasting recap stuff on the side, um, and then like on just the old blog, very unofficial stuff like that. So uh, oh, okay. our third podcast though is all things recapped. And right now I'm doing uh, Survivor season 40. Like I'm recapping each episode. But after that's Dang. over, I will do uh, movies and just kind of stray TV shows because uh, I'll do, do like you the have last the capacity? dance. How do you have a capacity for a third podcast? That's a great question. Right that's a really great question. I d- it's a not a good idea. And I don't know why that I'm I'm always. How does your wife feel about it? She look, <laughs> she is. Luckily, I can cram this all into the day when you have like a podcast studio. It's like. I don't know, that mic's just sitting there. We should do something, you know? <laughs> and I'm always the one with the bad ideas. But the good thing is I like the – like I know this is a hard season right now, but I like the seasonality of it because w- with the podcast, we're on the every Wednesday a- until infinity, and that's mm-hmm. like it, – it's um, intimidating. But when you can build out around and say, no, this is just like the Bible binge is seasonal and Survivor's just twice a year, then it gets a little more doable. Yeah, Interesting. I need to get a studio. That's nice. When did you make the plunge to like actually incorporate and say, all right, this is our full-time thing. So I, uh, I actually lived my whole life in, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, basically. Um, and Jamie and I started our company, you know, in, uh, 2013 we, and I think 
gosh, by like 2017, we'd only met twice, like in real in real life. And one was a one oh, was snap. Yeah, it, it's just like you could do everything over the internet and Google Hangouts and stuff. So it was about uh, it was 2018 um, when Ashley and I had been getting the itch to kind of move for a while. I think we needed a change of scenery. Our kids needed a change of scenery. And Aaron here, she's in Birmingham. Jamie's in Birmingham. And it was like, look, we've got a business here. If we're going to take it to the next level, let's just do the thing. So we moved. And then a couple months after moving, we uh, found an office space and was like, let's let's turn this into a studio. Let's do the whole thing. Interesting. I have, a, I have some friends that live in Birmingham, and they love it. It's That's great. That's where you are currently, right? Yeah, I actually – What's I, the attraction? You know, it's just like – uh, I think I spent a, a year here going to Sanford uh, in college, and then I moved back to because I knew I was going to marry Ashley. Uh, so I moved back because I thought I don't want to do the long distance thing while we're engaged. But it's just it's like uh, it's one of the, it's a big southern city. So there's the southernness of it. It's not like Atlanta where you cannot drive anywhere ever. Um, but it's big yeah. enough where the food Preach. scene's great, and it's like four. I don't know. It feels like four different sections, so you can kind of go into any section you want to get the thing you want. Um, good, really great schools. It's just a, and it's really close to the beach. It's kind of close to like all the different. Pl- it's not too far away from anything. So, I, I just love the charm. I love the weather. I love the, I love the whole thing here. That's awesome. So, do y'all do Gulf Shores? Is that where you usually go to the yeah, beach? You know, I grew up going to Hilton Head. That's where we've been like for my whole okay. life. And now, like with Gulf Shores and Orange Beach so close, we are destined like we go kind of in that area a little bit. That's nice. I. Uh, I did a summer project in Destin one summer, and then I was stationed in Pensacola for a year. Okay, I have a very uh, that that whole area has a very special place in my heart. That's cool. It's a really great place. Yeah, Florida. I mean, and the cost of living is probably pretty reasonable. It's not bad. It's, you know, it's it's a little more than Chattanooga, but it's not. It's super reasonable, especially like compared to a, an Atlanta or something like that. So you have like a a one point five million dollar house two point five but yeah but yeah but yeah (laughs) the taxes though the taxes get you but like this i mean you know this podcasting super lucrative super lucrative incredibly lucrative (laughs) and people are forgiving and it's just in super high demand and it's like a very uh unsaturated market it it, so people are i saw the stat it's like there's literally one million podcasts on itunes and i'm like i don't know (laughs) 200 of them are listenable probably so the <laughs> yeah. trick is just getting those 200 i think yeah so like when did when did what was the i'm just so interested in this from my own career like what was the tipping point for doing podcasting full time like what was it a number was it a revenue number was it a so i have no idea about any of this no no this is great and i think a lot of people are like well you know just even in my life when I introduce myself, I am like, hey, I'm Knox. And they'll say, what do you do? And I'm like, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I could say I'm an influencer. I could say I'm a podcaster. None of it. So so what I do, cool I say I, you know, I, I, I co-own a media company, which is technically true. Mm. <laughs> it's just like if you say I do podcasts, people are like, what is happening? Who is this guy? So it's an uncomplicated way of saying it. But um, I... In, gosh, I guess it was 2014. I think it was 2014. Anyways, I started writing for the Christian Online Movie Company out of Dallas, skitguys.com. They're great dudes. They make like mini movies for churches to show before and after services, um, okay. study packs, devotions, all that stuff. Um, I love them. They were great. At the end of that run, I the podcast was starting to pick up, and we had started uh, getting ads. But the big move we made was we created a premium uh, category for our podcast on Patreon. Whereas, like, you know, we'll do this, this, and this. 
that's where we started to pick up a little bit of momentum. And I got to a point of this is this Skid Guys thing is my full time job, and they're great. But if we're gonna take if we're gonna take the podcast to the next level, I have to make a move here, and I have to go all in. And the money wasn't quite there yet, but I picked up a lot of copywriting jobs, you know, script stuff on the side where I could fulfill our income stuff while we really pushed on the podcast. So that was awesome. that was the big moment. Yeah. Did you have a uh, like a booker for ads, or how did you go about sourcing? It was just ads. like uh, honestly, what I would do is I would go through our Instagram followers, and I would just see who followed us. Did they own a business? If they did, I would cold call them and be like, hey, you want to be on a podcast? And they'd be like, what's a podcast? And I'm like, I don't know. You follow, You literally follow us. You should know this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that that was it for a little while. And then um, uh, a network, Wondery out of L.A., contacted us and yeah. said, hey, uh, we want you. Would you be interested in coming on our network? And we were like, uh, a billion percent. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. That's, <laughs> that's the only way to make it right now is to get on a network like that. I mean, they did like Dr. Death. They really did. They've done. I mean, they're crushing. They're uh, crushing. They don't. So they they own their original content, obviously, and they they have done a great job with that. They also have a handful of partner shows, which we are, um, who they do amazing stuff for us. They're great there. Um, we're talking about a different kind of partnership with them, like maybe going more all in with them because they're interested in us. But man, like having someone handle your uh, doing the onboarding call and being like, okay, this is what you want me to say about your plunger. Great. And then like making the copy so we can like, it's, it's such a great, we don't do that with the Bible binge. We handle that in house. Um, it's a little bit more work, but we have a little bit more control. So, but it's a man, it's a that's game changer. Amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so huge. Congrats. I mean, that's thanks, man. I mean, you're living a lot of people's dream right now. It's like just podcasting for a living. You know, we, we talked about it and it was like, cube. you don't, uh, as a kid, you don't grow up and think, I wish I could be a podcaster when I grew up because it just it didn't exist. But like if I could have thought of a job like this, I, I really like this job. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's it's kind of everything you would want because you get to spit hot takes about uh, HBO shows and watch TV and movies, you know, and, and, and bring that to the people. So it's good stuff. And you get to play to your strengths. Like that's that's what I want out of a career is just to be able to do something every day that isn't a uh, isn't is playing off my strengths yeah. and not forcing me to like do accounting or like be good at, at something that is a drudgery. Like it's, that's the dream is to be able to do something that it's like, Oh, I feel born to be able to yeah. make funny quips about <laughs> pop culture. It's a, it's a nice dovetailing, you know, it's the only, the only other thing is like, I, I just grew I played sports. I love, I still love sports. Sports is like most of what I consume that I try to like shoehorn that in to be like, Let's talk about sports for a second, even though it's not really like our demo. But that's the that's the only missing piece right now is just sports. I talk. see. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the MJ documentary? Oh, the first two episodes. You know I did. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Listen, does it just bring back just all the nostalgia juices? It it really and, and especially right now because we, you know there are no sports. It feels like the closest thing to sports. But yeah, I, it's not that I didn't know that Michael Jordan was great. It's just it reminds you of just how great he was watching those highlights. Yeah. I love I, mean, I love him so much. Like it, and he's just was at such a different level to anything yeah. in any category. Yeah. It's amazing to have I I mean, I feel guilty for not having appreciated it as much back then. Like I was I was probably uh what, 8 or 9 years old. Sure. So like I was aware of what was going on, but I I didn't know I was 
experiencing once in a lifetime. Like this was your window to see it. You better, you better yeah. enjoy it. You know, because <laughs> yeah. it's gonna. And I probably go complained away. about it being on TV or something, <laughs> or wanting to do something else. All right, Knox. Well, uh, I've taken plenty of your time. If people want to find you in all the different places on the internet. How can they do so? So I'm on all the socials at Knox McCoy. Uh, obviously, we have the podcast on Knox and Jamie on iTunes, uh, the Bible Binge on iTunes, all things recapped on iTunes. Um, if you want to uh, check out the book, knoxmccoy.com slash book, you can get, I think there's two chapters uh, you can check out, and I've got little notes in the margin about like what I thought about going into the book. Uh, it comes out June 2nd, um, all that good stuff. So I'm creating, I've got this community uh, of people who pre-order the book, knoxmccoy.com slash best friend. Go there, just prove you pre-ordered it. And I'm doing all these interviews, um, side podcast episodes, just for people. You don't have to do anything. Like You just get to do that if you pre-order the book. So you can check that out there. That's awesome. Yeah, check out his book, All Things Reconsidered, as well as all the other content he's pushing out. Knox, you're a freaking <laughs> machine, dude. I'm, Thanks, man. I feel guilty at this point for <laughs> like, the amount of free time I have, I guess. No way, man. No way. Crushing the game. See, I don't deal with uh, Instagram comments. You do. So that's the equalizer. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> People are questioning your salvation a lot less than maybe (laughs) That's right. Just under their breath. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, This was super fun, and I think uh, you and I are going to be the best of friends, hopefully. I think so, man. Thanks so much. This was a ton of fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. If you liked it, head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. It's incredibly helpful to me. I appreciate you spending the time with us today, and please make sure you check out the next episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.